Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. For message notes and links to big things going on at Hope, check out the notes section below. When you're done listening to this episode, take a minute to follow us here, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content, additional resources, and more. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. What's going on, Hope family? So good to be with you this week. Yeah. Man, good to be with you. Hey, listen, welcome to you, whether you are hanging out with us at one of our physical campuses, maybe you're tuning in on GetHope.tv or YouTube, or you're just cruising down the road, listening to a podcast, trying to find a little bit more hope in real life. I think you're going to find it in our time together. Uh, my name is Jason Gore. Uh, I am excited to be with you. That's not that important. What is ex- important, we are wrapping up a series that we're in right now called Cryptic Currency. Okay, and Cryptic Currency is all about recognizing that in our lives right now, so many of us experience this tension around how do we leverage the resources or the finances or the lack thereof (laughs) that we have in our lives to actually experience what what we would call an abundant life, right? Like what all of us want in our lives is to experience hope, joy, peace, to know that we're actually making a difference in the world around us and then maybe at some point accumulate a couple things, right? Like a big green egg over here, maybe Derek's favorite, a boat from last week. I mean, that's what we hope for. But our mission as a church It's to love people where they are and then encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And what we know right now is where so many of us are, uh, is in this place of this thing that we we can't really call it a recession, right? Like that's what we've been told, but (laughs) this place of like economic difficulty. And that's where we find ourselves. And so what we thought we would do as a church is let's just take a collective pause. Let's take a deep breath. Let's open God's word. And let's be reminded or maybe even learn for the first time the truths that God says about our resources that he's given to us and how we should live our lives. And so that's what we've been doing. And so in week one, we heard from Chase Gardner, our teaching pastor. And what Chase reminded us was is that we have this giving and generous God. And everything that he's given to us in our lives is actually his. And our responsibility is to steward those resources for his purposes, right? So that was week one, great foundation. And then last week, we heard from Derek Sisterhand. And across all of our campuses, can we just let out a huge uproar, applause, and let him know? Make sure appreciate him. Yeah, man. Derek is one of the unsung heroes uh, around this church. But what Derek reminded us of is so many of us don't experience the life that we could Because what we do is we just kind of live however we want without thinking about it, right? And then we kind of get up to our eyes in debt. And then if we have anything left over, then we'll save a little bit. And then if we happen to have anything left over after that, and we maybe feel particularly moved in the moment, we'll kind of like throw out some gift or tip towards God. And Derek said, well, wait a minute. No, no. If we're living uh, as though we believe that everything that we have is God's and we're supposed to be stewarding those resources, we flip that thing upside down. And what we do is we actually first remember that we have this, that we were created in the image of a giving and generous God. And so first and foremost, if we're stewarding his resources, we give. And then after that, we save a little bit because we want to make sure that we're being wise in case we find ourselves in difficult times. And then after that, we live on the rest. And so what we're going to do as we wrap this thing up, we're going to wrap up our time together this week by looking specifically at what our lives should look like if we're giving generously in the way that God would have us give. 
All right, that's what we're going to look at. But before we get there, I want to recognize that there's these tensions in our lives and there's these lies that we actually believe that prevent us from living the life that God has for us. And so before we get to that, though, I just want to invite you into this tension that I experienced, these two tensions that I'm kind of living my life out of right now. In July of 2022, okay, I had to take a hard look at my life. i have been through a difficult uh, few years, and I just had to press pause on some things. Some things were out of balance. And so right now, I'm living, like, clearly focused on two things. And so if you don't have one thing in your life or two things, I invite you into taking these on. I think they're pretty good. If you've got something better, that's great. Uh, but it's this. Number one, that I would do everything that I can do within my power to be the man that God would allow me to be. I just got to get like laser focused on that, that, it, that I would be the husband and the dad and, and, and the son and the brother and the friend and the pastor and the coach and the community leader that God would allow me to be. And so what that means is I have to do everything I can do to focus on my own physical and mental and emotional and spiritual health. Do I get that right? Uh, my wife's in the room right now. She'll tell you no, but, I, but that's what I'm focusing on, right? Like it's the number one thing that's in front of me. And then after that, number two, is that I need to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can do to ensure that this church, that Hope Community Church, is being as fruitful as God would allow. That we're doing everything that we can as a church together to make the impact on our community and the world that God has in store for us. And so here's what I've realized over the last six months as I've been super focused on trying to maximize my ability to do those two things. I've realized that the world will sell you on a lie and the lie is this, that the status quo is okay. The world will tell you that average is okay, and that happens for two reasons. One, we talk regularly around here, we have an enemy, okay? And, and our enemy is the devil, all right? But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the ways that he does that is he gets to believe lies, things that aren't true. And so he would have you believe that, hey, listen, mediocrity is okay. Status quo is okay. And the reason he does that is because he doesn't want us to experience the life that God has for us. The other thing you have to be careful for is you have people in your life that will also lead you to believe that average is okay, that status quo is okay. And that doesn't happen on purpose, but the reason that happens is because if you rise above average, if you rise above status quo, you're going to challenge them in ways that they don't want to be challenged. But the world right now, listen, is filled with men and women and students who are being passive and not stepping up into the life that God created us for. And it's impacting our world in, in ways that we don't even realize. All right? And so you're like, man, how does this fit together with what you're talking about <laughs> with cryptocurrency? Because right now what the world needs is men and women and students who will be willing to step into the calling that God has placed on their lives. What the world needs right now is a group of people, the church, who would be willing to step into a dark place and shine a light much brighter that's happening right now. And these two things come together, what I'm talking about in the cryptocurrency, because here's what I know. You will never be the person, the man, the woman, or the student. And we will never be the people, we will never be the church that God would allow us to be until we commit to a life of radical generosity. It just won't happen. But here's what I know. Before I even say that, we could like get motivated by that and say yes, but when we leave here, each and every one of us, we have these tensions in our lives, we have these lies that we believe that if we're not careful, we kind of default to those and it limits us from living this life. And so I want to, I'm just going to read a couple things here, say them out loud, and just so you know, if you're watching this on a screen somewhere, um, you're going to leave um, 
seeing me for a few minutes and you're just going to see these things on the screen so you can digest them, that's probably a good thing. If you're listening on a podcast, you're like, I haven't seen you yet anyway. That's a good thing too. But just try to follow along here. How many times have you told yourself this in your life? My current circumstances or trials don't allow me to be generous. Giving will limit my ability to experience life to the full. My relationship with God doesn't need to impact my money. Those are separate. Before, when it comes to generosity, what matters most is my good intentions. One day I'll give. God knows my heart. Number five, since I'm limited in my total resources, my contributions or generosity don't really matter. Don't look, at, don't look up at me when I read this next one. I don't give, I don't need to give because churches lack accountability with their resources. And seven, my giving might fund a program, but it has little to do with God. Listen, these are real tensions, all right? We talk as a church about loving people where they are. If you're in that spot, you're in good company. We just want to recognize it because we can't change. Like, we can't move into where we need to go unless we recognize those tensions. The good news is Paul, the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he wrote this letter to the church in Corinth in the book of 2 Corinthians, and he addresses each one of these tensions. So what we're going to do, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're just going to walk through, and I'm just going to invite you into just kind of picking these things apart and seeing what the Apostle Paul would have to say to us. To give you a little bit of context, what's happening here, uh, there's a church down in Jerusalem that's going through some hard times. And we, just based on the context of the two chapters, we don't really know exactly what it is. Uh, but they need ministry, they need resources. And so Paul's going around to other churches and he's gathering resources so he can take them down to Jerusalem to minister. And as he writes this letter to the church at Corinth, he starts out by talking about this church at Macedonia that, quite honestly, is not doing as well as the church in Corinth, but he elevates their exceeding hearts of generosity, all right? And so we're going to see what Paul would have to say to us if we struggle with these things. So follow along if you've got your Bibles. If not, we'll have them on the side screens. Chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor. You ever feel that way? It's tested by many troubles every time you turn around, it's something else. I mean, that's like Monday, right? Every single day it's something. Listen to what he says. But they're also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying our circumstances don't dictate our attitude or generosity. Um, uh, whether I'm coaching adults or coaching kids, I tell them all, all the time, there's two things you control, your attitude and your effort. You cannot control the circumstances that you find yourself in. And Paul's sitting here saying, listen, don't believe this lie, man, that your current circumstances don't allow you to be generous. You go through life that way. You're not going to experience life the way that God intended. They don't define uh, your attitude of joy or your ability to be generous. You're like, well, Jason, listen, you don't really understand my circumstances. You don't understand my situation. What do I need to do? Here's what I would tell you. And this could sound harsh. I, I mean it in love. We got to take our eyes off ourselves. We get caught up so many times just staring in a mirror. But what do I need to look at? We need to look to God. 
We got to get in his word, man. We got to spend time in prayer. We got to draw close to God because when we do, when we, the, our problems pale in comparison to his goodness and to his graciousness and to his love and his mercy. And we're reminded of who he is and what he's done. And we're like, man, okay, God can see me through this thing. We're reminded of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We also got to get our eyes on other people. And here's what happens when we do that. We actually remember, like, wait a minute. I'm looking around a room right now, and I'm like, man, there's some other people in this thing with me. Like, yeah, I'm in a difficult time, but I'm not in this thing by myself. I mean, look around in the room that you're in right now. There are other people that would be willing to help you meet your needs. And you know what you also see is there's some other needs that need to be met, and some other people are going through some things, and you might actually have it better than you think you do. You've got to remember that. Our circumstances don't dictate our attitude or our generosity. Verse 3, for I can testify that they, the Macedonians, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. Listen to this in verse 4. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. So we come in thinking like, wait a minute, if I give, it might limit my ability to experience life to the full, to get everything they want. Well, Paul said, you know, these Macedonians, they remembered that they were made in the image of a giving and generous God. And the only way that they're going to experience life to the full is actually if they live out of that identity. And he's saying they realize that the giving, it's a privilege. It's not a burden. You know, we have this desire in our lives, if we're not careful, to accumulate and to gather, and Derek told us, he reminded us last week, what we all know, there really is no end. There's just no end. There's really only an antidote to grief, and that's to give. We're going to jump down to verse 6. So we've urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you in Corinth and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. So apparently they had kind of started uh, a year or so ago and they're sending Titus back. And he says in verse 7, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. You know what he's saying? Say, don't settle for the status quo. Don't settle for where you are right now. I, I fully believe if Paul were to write this letter to us as Hope Community Church today, right, he would come in and he would say, hey, man, you guys got a lot of great things going on. All right, you got some great uh, facilities. You got some great campus. You got some incredible speakers like this Chase Gardner guy, Aaron Nelson, Dwayne Calvin. Uh, Clay Burgess is up here. Sometimes we heard from Derek last week. Hear from Heather Sullivan every now and then. And you bring in people from the outside and your worship leaders. Goodness gracious, that Aaron Pelsu guy, like, have you seen his beard too? Have you smelled that thing? Like, you know when he's in the room, right? He said, you guys, you guys got a lot of good things going on. And you got to be blessed in life. I mean, I've driven through the parking lot of the Apex campus, and you got some nice cars. There's nothing wrong with having nice things, all right? There's nothing wrong with it. But he said, I don't want you to stop there. Don't settle for, for less. He says, I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving that's a part of who you are. Then he says in verse 8, but I'm not commanding you to do this. I'm not commanding you. But I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. The first time I read that, I was like, it feels like Paul's like trying to force them to compare themselves to somebody else's generosity. And I read it the second time. I was like, I think Paul's trying I read it the third time. I was like, no, he's definitely trying to make them compare themselves to other churches. But listen to what he says. 
Then he gives him like the, a legitimate Jesus juke. He's like, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he left heaven, he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And we tell ourselves sometimes that our relationship with God doesn't need to impact our money. What Paul is saying is there is a correlation between the love that you have for God and the generosity that you bring to his church. Period. He's saying that there is no way that you should understand, that you should really understand that in the beginning God created this world and it was good. All right, so many times we start with the world was broken or saying, no, God started, he created a good world. And we messed it up. Like we brought sin into the world and then I got here and I messed it up even more. And then you got here and you messed it up even more. And God said, listen, in your brokenness while you were still sinners, I'm going to send my son. And Jesus willingly stepped down from his riches up in heaven and he came down to earth and lived amongst our poverty so that in his poverty we could experience the richness of a new life in Christ with God. And if you want to know where that real abundance and joy comes from that we talked about in verse 2, 1 and 2, it's right there. I was talking to Clay Burgess this week, one of our pastors. He says, what it sounds like you're really trying to say is we give because he gave. I said, Clay, well, why don't you preach the message this week? Have all the great ideas and all the great points. He's exactly right. I think we're, where the heck are we? I think we're in verse 10. Verse 10, here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first that wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. We're tempted to think when it comes to my generosity, what matters most is my good intentions. What Paul's saying is um, when it comes to generosity, and I would even add when it comes to life, intention doesn't equal completion. It's not the same thing. Intentions are good. And you say, well, doesn't it, God knows my heart. No, God knows your heart. He does. You know what else he knows? What you did or didn't do. Like, he knows, right? I mean, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. If I say to my child, I want you to go clean your room, if they come back to me and say, I intend to clean my room, and it's a week later, I'm like, no, I need you to clean your room. And it's the same thing. And so no more than if I say I intend to lose 10 pounds, that doesn't make a difference in the world if I don't actually sit down, put on my shoes, go for a jog, and put down the cupcake before I go to bed. Like, it, it's a real thing. <laughs> Intentions are not the same as completion. Paul's being real clear, man. We got to be careful. See, we just believe these lies. One day we will, one day we will, one day we will. And really, we haven't. Paul's calling us into more. Okay, well, how much do we give? Here's what he says. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable when you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So again, we think, so I'm limited in my total resources, so my contributions or generosity don't really matter. Look, I've been there, all right? I've been 17, 18 years old, waiting tables, making 100, 200 bucks on the weekend. That doesn't really matter, right? Nobody's going to miss that. Uh, I've been the, uh, the 23-year-old married, working for a ministry while my wife's in grad school and wondering, like, okay, how do we figure this thing out? I've been there. Right? I've gone through hard times. You get medical bills. We had kids that were born uh, at, at 28 weeks. Diana went to labor with her twins at 26 weeks. Um, our medical bills looked very, very large. Right? Um, I've been there. 
But remember, there's, there's two things that we can control, our attitude and our effort. What Paul is saying here to us is when it comes to generosity, um, when it comes to giving, it's measured in attitude and effort, not in total dollars. What he's calling for is equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. Right? So what do you mean? Because, I mean, he says give in proportion to what you have. So it sounds like there's a percentage. Is there a certain proportion? Let's speak to this just for a moment. Um, if you read the Old Testament, it is very clear that what God asks for from his people is 10%. That's a lot. It sounds like a lot, but, but here's the deal. If you actually look at everything else that they paid and things like temple taxes, it was probably close to like 23, 24%. And you, say, you could say, well, wait a minute, that was the Old Testament. Well, when Jesus comes on the scene... Every time he addresses something from the Old Testament, he usually ups the ante. He says, listen, you need to follow me in life and in death. And he actually lays down his entire life for all of humanity, okay? And so it would be very easy for us to put a percentage down and say, okay, let's try to hit 5% or let's try to hit 10%. But anybody can check a box and be religious. And our God has never been about a group of religious people. He's been about a group of people whose heart were for him and for his people around him. Paul said, it's measured in attitude and effort, not in total dollars. You've got to figure that out. And I love how he softens it a little bit right here. He says, of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty, and you can help those who are in need. And I just want to add, like, I have the microphone, so I have a little luxury here. Do you have plenty? Because there's some who are in need. Later, they will have plenty, and they can share with you when you need it. And it jumps to verse 15, as the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot... They had none left over, and those who gathered only a little, they had enough. So, man, Paul's making this easy for us. All right, that's the first five things that we addressed. Um, we've got two left. And as we jump into these last two, uh, I want to tell you, the last two uh, lies that we're tempted to believe or tensions that we feel, I want you to know I affirm them. I think they're good tensions that we've got to balance. If you were to ask me, hey, I'm thinking about giving to a ministry or to a church, uh, what should I think through? I would say there's two things you need to watch. You need to, one, make sure, are they mission-focused? Like, are they making a difference in the world around them, all right? Number two, I would say, are they financially accountable with the resources that they have? You see, we have this lie that we believe that says, I don't need to give to churches because churches lack accountability with their resources. It shouldn't be that way. Right, I think what we're going to see is healthy churches are accountable and transparent with their resources. Look at what Paul says here. He says, but thank God, he's given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus is the guy that went there at the beginning to get them excited about giving. Now he's coming back. Titus welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. We are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem. That's a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. What do you mean it glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help? Verse 20, we're traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way that we're handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we're honorable. So Paul recognizes this tension. 
and he cuts it off. And so I would say to you, it's important to recognize that healthy churches are accountable and transparent with their resources. Um, we don't really share all this information a lot. You heard a little bit with it uh, from Derek last week. I want you to know how things work around here. Okay, we have a staff, and that staff, it seems like this microphone is rubbing against my beard here. Hang on a minute. That may or may not help. If it doesn't, then sorry for everybody else who was listening. Okay, so we have a staff. What the staff does is they look at contributions from the year before, and then they look at what forecasted contributions are for the year coming up. They pray through it. They look at what our vision is and our strategy, and we propose to a group of people called our finance committee, this is what we believe our budget should be going into the next year. Our finance committee is a group of five individuals, none of which are paid by Hope Community Church, but they're members of Hope Community Church, deeply invested in the ministry here. And they go through that budget with a fine-tooth comb. I'm saying they look at everything from like staffing budget, staffing ratios, salary structures, all the way through to things like, hey, if you're going to keep this much money in your operating cash, you should consider talking to your bank about getting a higher rate of interest because that's a large sum of money here, especially over here when you're saving for your capital fund. And even like, hey, you know, interest rates right now, they're in a place that you might want to consider refinancing these loans because if you do, you can save some money and then put that back towards debt and get debt snowball. I'm telling like people, now obviously we're not going to refinance right now because rates are up. These are conversations we've had in the past. Deeply invested, fine tooth comb. When that budget gets approved, we then pass that budget along to our elders, which is a group of nine individuals, only one of which is paid uh, by the church. That's me, the lead pastor. So whoever that is is the only staff paid elder. Everyone has one vote, uh, all weighted the same. And then we take that budget and the elders pray through that budget. They look through it. They go through it. They say, okay, God, if this is where you're calling us to go, do these strategies, do these plans, this budget look like it's going to push us in the direction that you would have us go? And after they say yes, when that gets approved, that gets then handed back to our finance and accounting team, to our staff, but our finance and accounting team, of which last week you met Derek's sister hen. I could just stop right there. You heard from Derek, okay? This guy cares. But there's also unsung heroes on that team, man. There's people like... Wes Dyke and Cam Lukenhaus, Wendy Pegram, Lisa Davis, people that you will never see, and they take that budget and every single receipt that comes in, they see it. Every credit card transaction comes through it. And they make sure that those receipts and those transactions match up. And then they take them over to the ministry budgets and to the ledgers and make sure they match up. And we get monthly reports and quarterly reports to make sure that we're spending the money the way that we've said we're going to spend the money to move the ball down the field to do the ministry that we believe that God has called us to do. On top of that, we have an external audit every single year. All right. On top of that, we have an accreditation with the EVCA, the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Less than 5% of evangelical churches are willing to do the work that it takes to get that level of accreditation. That's the links that we go to to be able to stand in front of you like Paul does and say, listen, we got people that are watching our back. And just like he said, we want to be honorable before you. And so I hope that brings you comfort. We've got a page. You can go to gethope.net slash give, and there's a financial accountability section, and it'll take you to, like, all more information about that. And as Derek said last week, you can have coffee and talk audits if you want, okay? So all that's there. So we do it for you, and I hope it brings you peace. But more importantly than that, I want you to know that one day I know that I'm going to stand before my Creator, 
Almighty God, and he's going to hold me accountable, and he's going to hold our elders accountable to where we good stewards of the resources that God entrusted to us. That puts me a little bit more on edge than you being worried about it. But I also want you to realize this. Just as I'm accountable, I also want to remind you that you too are going to be accountable for the resources that God's entrusted to you. And I hope you feel the same burden. And I don't say that to like to scare you. I say that because we're in this thing together, right? We're trying to live the life that God's created us to be. Remember to be the men and the women and the students that God's created us to be, that we could be the church that God would allow us to be. And for us to do that, it's going to take a level of radical generosity. So we need to be accountable. Last point. The lie that we tell ourselves, my giving might fund a program, but it has little to do with God. Listen to what Paul says in verse 11. I'm jumping to chapter 9. Originally, I was going to walk all the way through uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, and the message was like 97 minutes. Okay, so we cut back a little bit. You should go back and read all of chapter 8 and chapter 9. There's incredible stuff in there. You're learning. God loves a cheerful giver. There's great stuff. We reap what we sow when it comes to ministry. Uh, verse 11. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. One, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. So when you give, the needs in your community and around the world will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. I understand when you give somehow through that, at the end of that, it's other people turning their hearts to and thanking God. The Bible says that the world will see our beautiful deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Ministry requires resources. It requires a means. But when it happens, the church doesn't get the glory. Jason doesn't get the glory. You don't get the glory. But people turn their hearts and their attention to God. Look at what it says, verse 13. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to what? The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, this is an added bonus. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. You should ask the question, is our church making a difference? Um, I'm going to run through a couple things here. You know, everything isn't about numbers, but, but our weekend gatherings right now, um, we're seeing about 40% um, more people week over week than we saw last January to February, same time. Okay, God is expanding our reach. We're making an impact in people's lives. We said as a church, we want to build families that thrive. At a time where our society is tearing apart the fabric of families, we said, no, no, no. We're going to invest in the lives of children. Uh, right now, across your, one of our campuses, you probably, you might, may, may as well, have, you might have children. If you don't have children, then you wouldn't, okay? But if you have children, they're back in Kid City right now. And they're being loved on, man. They're being pointed towards Jesus. Student ministry, man, we, we have a staff. And not just a staff, but also volunteers that are constantly sending us up. Do you know what's going on in the lives of students right now. Like the suicide rates. I got an article from the CDC just yesterday. And we've got a group of staff and volunteers that are doing everything they can do to infiltrate schools, to love these students right where they are, to point them towards Jesus, 
I have a marriage ministry, man, that's all about healing. Marriage is re-engaged. Like, we can't even open up enough seats. To, <laughs> it just can't happen. We fill it up every single time. You saw earlier in this service, if you saw, if you saw the whole service, what we did just this past week with Night to Shine. And there are families in our community that have children with special needs that need to be surrounded by people that love them and will bring the light and love of Jesus. We're sold out to it. Man, our care team, Donnie Dar, goodness gracious, Laura McKeown, these are people that you might not know that have been around Hope for so long that if you knew the amount of, of hurt that came to Hope Community Church and the amount of resources that went out, you'd be blown away. But guess what else? It's not enough. We don't have all the resources that we need to meet the needs of our community, period. We just don't. Um, we started a ministry about a year and a half ago called uh, Fostering Hope. Uh, Heather Sullivan, she's on uh, our executive lead team here. Uh, you've heard her talk uh, up here a couple of times. I know you all love her. She, um, she's kind of our staff lead on this ministry, which, by the way, I believe that God wants to use Hope Community Church to change the fabric of the foster care system in Wake County. There is no excuse for a child not having a home, period. And so we have this family in our church that's fostering a child, and they were going to court to, um, it was a, a custody case because the child was hopefully going to be reunited with the, with the biological mother. If you don't know, that's always the goal of foster care is to actually reunite families. And so that's what the court case was. So Heather went and sat with this family in court all day long. And while she was there... There were other trials that were going on. And she heard a case tried with a five-year-old boy who was pleading for someone to adopt him. His parents couldn't do it. His uncle couldn't do it. They just weren't in a place in life where they were able to do anything about it. And so we've got to figure this out. Like we're saying, hey, Hope Community Church, you should do everything you can do. We have info meetings. Be willing to be a foster parent. But if you can't, well, we're trying to create foster circles around those who have raised their hand and say, okay, I'll foster so that we can say, we will do everything that we can do to meet every need that you have so that you can house that child. But it's not enough. And so we said, okay, we're going to do what we can do to rally around the social workers in the system. And so we've done that, but it's not enough because the work never ends. And now what we're realizing is we've got to figure out how to come alongside these biological mothers and fathers and help them get back on their feet so that their families can be reunited. But there's a resource problem. There shouldn't be. Listen, there's a woman, she's a supervisor for Wake County Child Welfare. This is what she told Heather last week. Um, people come to us and say, man, can we give you money? She says, no, we can't take your money. We're a government agency. But there's this church that it seems like they believe what God says. If you want to give to us, give to Hope Community Church because they give to us. That's the church that you're a part of. That's what the church is supposed to be in our community. And we're just getting started. Like, and we don't, we don't have a vision problem around here, okay? <laughs> we have a resource challenge. Like, we're just getting, like, that, that's just fostering hope. We want to see a ministry launch that ministers to our men and women in uniform. We want to see a ministry launch that can engage the mental health crisis that we're seeing all around the world right now, but specifically in the Triangle. I was talking to Chris Jones this past week, and every single week that goes by, he, he hears of another death in his community of this fentanyl addiction. Like, man, we got to step it up. And this is what I want you to know. And this is like family talk here. As a church, we are not reaching our giving capacity. What does that mean? 
What that means is if you take our average weekend attendance and you multiply that by the average income in and around the triangle, and then even if you cut it in half, assuming that only one parent works, and then you take 10% of that, okay, a tithe. If you did that and directed those funds to Hope Community Church, our budget would more than double, almost triple overnight. You understand? Like we have a world that is literally dying for the church to be the church. And what all of you and myself, what we really want is to know that we're making a difference. But yet we believe these lies instead of living into the life of generosity that God's created us to live. Because here's what I want us to do. I want to call each and every one of us into taking a faith step this week. This week. It's a roadmap to generosity for us, okay? If you call Hope Community Church home and you're not giving, I want to call you in to start giving. Like Paul said, I, I'm not commanding you to do it. But what I'm saying is, is if you understand how generous and how gracious Jesus has been to you, man, can you start? How much? I don't know. Paul said, let's give in proportion to what we have. So I think 10% is a, is a baseline goal based on what we see in Scripture. That sounds like a lot, Jason. I don't know if you've given it. Okay, let's just start. Can we start? I have a prayer that we would have 200 new families or individuals start giving this week. 200. I said, wow, that sounds like a lot. Listen, we have, we'll probably have 4,500 adults across all of our campuses, adults across all of our campuses this weekend. We've got about probably 2,200 or so, don't, don't quote me exactly, 2,200 plus or minus active giving units. That's a pretty big margin. 200 is not that big. So if you think, oh, somebody else will do it, don't. I'm talking to you. Okay. But not for me. This isn't something that we want from you. This is something that we want for you. Let's start giving. Please show me that my faith is too small. Take a step. If you already give, if you started giving, but maybe you give sporadically, your step of faith is to start giving regularly and giving intentionally. What does that mean? How do I do that? You go to our website, gethope.net slash give. And you can actually set up recurring giving. All right. Would I really do that? Would I really make sure that I like, set that up every single Yes, if we're going to live the way the Scripture says that we give first and then we save and then we live on the rest. You bet. Absolutely. Let's be disciplined in this thing. Let's not settle for mediocrity. Let's be the men and the women and the students that God's created us to be. What do you mean by give intentionally? Let's take a faith step. Let's try to get to that 10%. Well, I'm only giving 3% right now. Okay, well, maybe your next step is five. Maybe it's seven. But look, this is a step of faith for all of us. You can't outgive God. I assure you, you can't outgive God. Okay, well, I'm already giving regularly. I'm giving intentionally. Maybe your step of faith is this give sacrificially. I've heard these stories of these people that actually work hard in their life to live on 10% of their income so they can give 90% of the way. I'm not there, okay? I'm not close. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but this is the category that my wife and I fall in. We're going to have to have some conversations this week, all right? And I knew it was coming because I've been in this message all week long, all right? So, babe, we got conversations coming up this week. But we need to figure out what that means. And this is the question that I wrote down to ask myself. Does my generosity represent the generosity that God has shown to me in Christ Jesus? Obviously, the answer to that is no. But God knows our heart. 
but it's not just about our intentions. It's about the action steps that we take. This week, as you're sitting around with your family, okay, whether you're at a dinner table or you're in the car, uh, we encourage everybody that has a family at Hope Community Church uh, to get together and just to talk through the things that we talk about in our messages. Uh, just, just talk through this together, whether you're in your car or you're at a dinner table. What is the lie that we talked through this past weekend that I'm most tempted to believe? Or maybe what's the truth that we walk through that I need to most readily be reminded of? And then just listen in your conversations as you talk to one another and just remind each other the truths that we saw in God's Word. And then if you're really gutsy, get together with your family or your small group or a group of people and ask yourself this question. What faith step are you taking this week as it relates to living a life of generosity? And look, you might have to say, I've actually never really given. That's okay. The truth is, most people haven't. But man, take that step. Take that step. Father, we, uh, we come before you just recognizing um, that life can get turned so upside down so fast for us. And we can be distracted by things, our finances, and we can be distracted and thinking it's about gathering and it's about accumulating and getting uh, our own way and, and building our own kingdom. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we were created in the image of a giving and generous God that loved us so much that he generously gave his only son so that we could have a relationship with you. How in the world could we think that we could experience life to the full if we did not carry forth that same generosity into the world around us? Every one of us know that we were made for more impact as an individual. Every one of us know that the world needs a church to step up and bring light to darkness. Lord, would you help our hearts? Lord, help us to move from intentionality and what we intend to do into action. Lord, I pray that we would be blown away by your faithfulness and the way that you've worked in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'll look back a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, and be like, that was a series that changed the direction of my life and the life of Hope Community Church. Lord, we're trusting you for it. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.